This is 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect at CarrieCharles.com. And now, here's Carrie Charles. The workforce is changing. 5G is here and brings with it new generations of workers with new priorities and viewpoints. The latest research shows that people value a strong company culture over higher pay. Culture is not just a buzzword anymore. It's a necessity. Today, I'm speaking with a company who got it right. I'm Carrie Charles, your host of 5G Talent Talk, and I'm especially excited about my guest today, Jay Brown. Jay is the president and CEO of Crown Castle. Crown Castle owns operates and leases more than 40,000 cell towers and approximately 70,000 route miles of fiber, supporting small cells and fiber solutions across every major U.S. market. Crown is a New York Stock Exchange, S&P 500 company with an enterprise value of approximately $80 billion. Now, Jay joined Crown Castle in 1999 and served as treasurer and CFO before taking the helm as CEO. Jay, thank you so much for being with us today on 5G Talent Talk. Thanks for having me. So, Jay, Crown Castle is known for its phenomenal company culture. Candidates aspire to join the Crown team, and we hear this all the time in staffing. Can you describe your culture and and what makes Crown different? Well, we've, we've got three pillars that we talk about with our employees around how we define our culture. They're simple. They're straightforward. I think they're easy to understand. The first one is be real. Uh, the second one is to, is to, is to be an owner. Uh, and, uh, and the last one is to be accountable. And when we talk about those, those three, um, we, we, we didn't hire anybody externally to, to go come up with those for us. Uh, it was about 15, 16 years ago, uh, we sat down with some of our leaders and just said, what do we want to be like? And uh, um, those three came out of it. And the, um, e- in each case, um, we, we talked to employees about what it looks like for, those, for people to live out those values. For, so for being real, it's about having condi- candid, straightforward uh, conversations with people, being honest, direct. Um, when we talk about being accountable, uh, we're talking about uh, holding ourselves and each other accountable to our shareholders uh, in terms of hitting targets, uh, inter- internally being accountable to one another in terms of what we say we're going to do, we do, um, and then being, being honest about those, those targets as we describe when we fall short. So if we miss something, uh, it's, uh, it needs to be a conversation where we're, we're honest, direct about the fact that we, we missed a target and then being accountable to making, making corrections to it and learning from our, our mistakes. Uh, and then being an owner uh, is about thinking about what we do every day through the lens of, of, of somebody else's money. Um, as a public company, uh, we're, we're not, uh, we don't own the company. Uh, our shareholders own the company. And, uh, and our drive is to make sure we maximize for the long term the, the money that has been entrusted to us. So we're stewards. And uh, as stewards of other people's capital, we want to make sure that we think about their, their ultimate best result uh, over the long term. And so we ask our employees to make decisions uh, through the lens of uh, what, what would an owner do if, if they were sitting in their, in their shoes and had to make that, make that decision. Um, 
And I've found over a long period of time that as we think about decision rights and decision-making in the organization, um, the, spreading that decision-making, pushing it out through the organization at all levels, uh, and then giving a framework for how to think about decisions, being real, being accountable, and thinking like an owner is a good balance of how you push decision-making out throughout the organization and then equipping people with the right tools to be able to make those decisions and the right framework to make those decisions. And um, I think people really embrace the autonomy of a culture that, that gives them the ability to make decisions and do the right thing for customers um, because it's the right thing for the right thing for the business. And I think our, our culture helps us, helps us in the decision-making process and gives people greater autonomy around their job. And I think those two things um, help us be a place where, where people enjoy working. You know, people care more and more about their companies caring about them and making a difference. Um, what are the values and, and the mission of Crown Castle? Well, we, we, we are connecting the world. Um, and when you think about, uh, think about connections, um, people, people think about everything from uh, connecting with a, uh, a loved one uh, in a moment of greatest joy uh, to connecting in some of the hardest crises of life. Um, and the world has gone to the place where that connection oftentimes happens uh, over, over mobile devices. And we share videos, we share conversations, we share texts. Uh, and uh, I think about even my own relationships with, uh, like my mom, uh, I, I frequently will and she will, with me, talk about what's happening in her world over short texts. Uh, I don't think that happened um, uh, 30 years ago. And so the device has enabled uh, relationships in ways that are, are unique and special to people. And um, that sharing of connection is, is what we create. And so I think our employees are incredibly proud of the fact of, of what we do in the world in terms of connecting people. And, um, and I think our... our uh, as we were talking about, our value statements and our culture fits that well. So uh, it's, uh, it's exciting to be in a place where we're at the leading edge of what's happening in the world and, um, and what we do in order to make the world better. You know, Jay, I have visited numerous Crown offices throughout the country and met with numerous leaders and employees. And one thing that has always impressed me is that those values that you just mentioned are echoed through every single office, and they're literally in the DNA of every employee. And, and I just want to know, how do you do this? Um, how do you keep this message alive and consistent throughout all the markets and the teams in such a large company? Well, a, a couple of things come to mind when you ask that question. One, one is that <clears throat> uh, I say frequently to our, to our team that everyone owns the culture. Um, I certainly play a role as CEO in being a, a voice that, that gives direction uh, and reiterates the importance of culture, um, but I don't own the culture, uh, and none of our executive team owns the culture. Uh, our, our team owns the culture, and um, that is incredibly important, I think, in terms of spreading the culture across the entire organization. Uh, every leader has to own the, own the culture, and every individual has to every, every individual contributor has to own the culture, and it will be as good and as strong 
uh, as their ownership of it. Um, the, a great culture, I think you, you highlighted in some of your earlier comments, a great culture is good for business. And so I will, I will oftentimes, as I'm speaking about the culture, um, talk to people about the reason why we care about culture is through the lens of our, our value statements around being real, being accountable, and being an owner. Um, part of the reason why a great culture matters is because it's good for business. And um, if we think like an owner, then we, we want to have a great culture. It's also true that uh, having a great culture attracts and retains the best talent. So uh, if we want to be a place that is able to deliver great returns uh, and, and deliver great personal uh, reward outcomes to our, to our team, um, then culture has to matter to us. And it has to matter not just at the executive or at the CEO level, but it should matter to everybody in the organization. So um, really giving ownership to the culture uh, to everybody in the in the organization uh, is 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 critically important. The second thing I would say about it is that when I speak about our culture, I, I try to always speak about it, and I encourage our leaders to always speak about our culture uh, in a way that is aspirational of what we want to be and not what we are. Uh, the reality of the culture of an organization is that what happens inside of a cube, and we've got over 80 offices around, around the country. So the, the culture that may exist within 100 feet of where my office is here in Houston, Texas, um, that culture may be very different in a cubicle in Philadelphia or in Seattle or in Miami uh, or in Phoenix. Uh, and um, the reality is there are companies and specific places inside of companies where mistakes are made. Uh, obviously, there have been a number of big headline stories over the last several years where the culture really broke down. But the culture, you could argue, didn't break down necessarily across the entire organization. It just broke down in one specific interaction between an, one employee and another employee or one employee and a customer. And those, those situations made headline news and were, were uh, in the news for a number of days because of how bad they went for some, some other companies. And what I talked to our company about is, aspirationally, we want to be real, be accountable, and be like owners. Um, but you also have to allow, I think as a leader, the reality and the openness for people to say, where I work, the cubicle that I'm in, the office that I'm in, the conference room that I was in, uh, is not living up to that culture. And so I think by speaking aspirationally about it, what it does is it gives ownership to people to say, okay, we are not all that we aspire to be, uh, and that could be um, pervasive in an office or it could be in an individual uh, interaction between uh, ourselves and a customer or ourselves and each other uh, or ourselves and one of our vendors. Uh, or partners, and so it, it enables people, I think, to speak into when it doesn't go right to make, uh, to make corrections. And it doesn't have to be an affront to the culture. Um, someone doesn't have to raise their hand and say, um, we're, um, we're not the culture we think we are, um, because as leaders, if we're talking about it aspirationally rather than as a matter of fact, I just think it gives space for people to raise their hand and say, here's the correction we need to make in order to get closer to what we aspire, uh, aspire to be. So um, I, I, think that's how you, I think that's how you spread it. You, you spread it by making sure that you speak about it in a way that everybody owns it, 
uh, and then giving space for people to be able to raise their hand and say, we're not, we're not all that we're aspiring to be in this particular situation, and being able to make, make, make changes from, from there. You know, Jay, in our industry, you know, in telecom as well as in tech, acquisitions are the norm. And, you know, so many companies, they go through these integrations and they, you know, really struggle with maintaining the company culture through the integration process. And I know that Crown Castle has, um, you know, had a number of acquisitions. And I'm just curious as to as to how that's been for for you and for your leadership team and you know, maintaining the culture through the through the integration process. Yeah, I would. One, I think that's a, it's an incredibly hard thing to do um, because every company is really proud of their culture, uh, and whether you're the company acquiring another company or uh, you're, you're the company that is acquired, um, there's a, there's a real pride in your culture if it if it's done well. I, I think back to the acquisition that we made in a couple of years ago with with Light Tower in the largely in the northeast part of the U.S. Um, they had different values pillars and statements than what we did. But their culture in terms of what they aspired to be was very similar to our own aspirations. So while we changed, we changed words, um, the core and the spirit of what they wanted to accomplish and what they desired to do uh, was similar to kind of our aspirational goals. So I think one of the things that is important in the evaluation of a, of a particular asset or a particular company uh, is to see whether or not is there an alignment of culture and values, uh, even if the words are different, um, is there an alignment of, of the basic values? Uh, and I think that makes it far easier. Um, we've been we've we've been in the the very beneficial place of the acquisitions that we've done. The value and the cultures were similar, or similar enough that the transition uh, was not a complete 180 from the way the businesses had been previously run. Frankly, I think if we were looking at something and we thought it was that dramatic of a change, we probably would pass because we think culture is is so important. Um, the other thing that, that comes to mind uh, with result in in context of your question is uh, I think there's there's benefit of uh, continuing to explain to people the why of why why is our culture the way it is what do we want to accomplish uh, and and linking it linking it back to the reason why we care about culture is because it's good for business, and if it's good for the business, then it's good for you personally. Uh, and that linkage between the, you do well personally when the business does well, and the business does well when the culture is healthy, um, is is something I think people can rally around and get their get their get their arms around. Um, and then I think the the last thing that comes to mind in the context is. Uh, whenever there's uh, whenever there's change in an organization, whether it's an acquisition or otherwise, uh, there will be some people who won't embrace uh, won't embrace the culture. And um, we think about evaluating uh, evaluating our own personal performance on on two criteria. One is one is performance that you can measure in metrics and and uh, and results. And the other one is are you getting those results the right way or or consistent with our culture? And we, as we evaluate people, we are more likely to move quickly on someone who doesn't fit the culture than we are someone who doesn't fit the results. Uh, someone who embraces the culture and lives the culture uh, in, a, in a fulsome way, 
uh, is going to care about what an owner cares about because it's one of our pillars. And so uh, we can help coach somebody, maybe move them to a different role uh, if they have the perspective of trying to be an owner but it hasn't gone well. Uh, but someone who's solely focused on results and doesn't want to embrace a culture that's real and accountable uh, and, and thinks about their role as a steward of other people's capital, uh, ultimately that just doesn't work for us. So uh, in the context of an acquisition or any other decision, I think you evaluate, uh, you evaluate people on a frequent basis, and if, they, if they're not willing to embrace the culture, uh, it's not that they're, they're a bad person or they're not good at business, it's just they're not a right, the right fit for Crown Castle. And, um, and if, uh, if, we, if we really want to embrace the culture and live the culture throughout the whole organization, then we have to, as leaders, be serious about um, making sure the people who, who are at, at the company are, are people who are will, really willing to embrace the culture that we think is important to our long-term success. I think what you just said is one of the keys to your success in, in creating and maintaining a culture because companies so often, they focus on the skill set, the resume, the experience, and they don't, you know, they really don't take into account the soft skills as much as they should or the culture fit. And, and I do believe that this is one area where you really, really got it right. And, you know, again, we see that every single day when staffing for Crown. So, you know, com- Jay, companies are focusing, and we're hearing about this more and more, on their branding to attract talent. And Crown is a company that, that people want to work for, and they do not want to leave. So how was this extraordinary brand created in the industry? Well, it's a lot of work, and we're not done. Uh, we, still, uh, we, we, can still get, we can still get a lot better. Um, Look, I, I think uh, I think when 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 you do do it well, people people appreciate it, and we don't we don't do it right every every time, um, but but we are focused on trying to to get better, uh, and I think we have we do have a good reputation uh, in the in the market, and uh, and I think that's a direct result of our entire organization embracing the culture, and I don't think there's. We can we can spend a lot of a lot of time and money on on slogans and taglines and um, colors and logos and and some of that is important in certain contexts but ultimately when it comes down to recruiting people the the best referrals uh, and and the and the best opportunity to find new talent uh, comes from people who who speak about their own their own experience at the company uh, that that's really the best way to get a get a sense of what it what is it like to actually actually work here and um, the fact that our employees love it is uh, is a huge benefit in terms of our ability to recruit other people who want to want to come and, and be a part of the company. I agree. You're listening to 5G Talent Talk. I'm Carrie Charles, speaking with Jay Brown, the CEO of Crown Castle. Jay, let's switch gears just for a minute. Um, you know, diversity, inclusion, they're hot topics these days. And again, this is another area that I believe you know, where Crown got it right. Um, how is Crown Castle cultivating a diverse an inclusive workplace. It's it's incredibly important to us to have a diversity of thought in the way that we approach decisions. So one of the things that I, I greatly appreciate about the conversations that I get to have with our sh- our shareholders is that um, they don't they don't have all of the the stories and the color around why things happen or how how they happen. 
uh, they, they look at the results. They see numbers in black and white that come out on a quarterly basis, and they compare those numbers uh, to the numbers that they expected to see or the numbers that we gave an outlook towards. And then they measure our success as a business against those. And um, that, that metric-driven or performance-driven approach to, to how we run the company, uh, in the short term, I think people can poke at and say maybe, maybe being short-sighted on a quarterly basis is not the best way to measure performance of an organization. And I, I would generally agree with that, that we should have a longer-term view of, of success um, and performance. But what is beautiful about it is uh, it is a measuring stick that happens, that happens frequently. All of the research in the world shows that the best, the best path towards that sustained performance over a long period of time is, is leaders who are real with themselves about how the business is performing. And in order to get to, once you're real about how the business is performing, You've got to make decisions as a leader about what's the best approach to make the, the, the next best decision in front of you. And that requires a diversity of thought. Um, it's a way of, of, of pushing towards, have we considered all of the alternatives? Are we willing to do the hard thing uh, when, uh, when, when uh, it may take a little more work, it may take a little bit more time to get to success? Uh, rather than doing the easy thing? And are we being innovative in our thinking? Are we approaching problems in different and unique ways uh, than what we've done before? And the, we believe that the best approach towards that is a diversity of thinking model. Um, when I think about diversity and inclusion in the workplace, we would never want someone to think that um, we had hired them, promoted them, or engaged them because of the color of their skin or their gender uh, or any other external reason. We are trying to attract the absolute best talent in the world to come and work for Crown Castle. We want to retain them, promote them, and we want them to do phenomenally well. And the reality is the best in the world are diverse. And um, so our push towards making sure we have a diverse workforce has been a push towards hiring and retaining the absolute best talent we can find in the marketplace. And we know that if we're hiring the best, we will have a diverse workforce. Um, and so in the hiring process, uh, we do things intentionally in the interviewing process to try to remove unconscious bias uh, from just hiring people who have a similar background to ourselves or similar life experiences to ourselves. Uh, we try to put candidates in situations where they are uh, showing the best of who they are in the skill sets that are required to do the job. So we do things like case studies uh, that evaluate uh, how they would actually perform a particular job in the company, and the case studies are based on actual events that happen in the company, and we get a chance to see how they think about those. Uh, with our leaders in our case studies, we always do an employee relations matter so that we get a sense of how do they think through, um, how, do, how would they think through handling difficult employee situations. We want to know that our leaders uh, have the right mindset and the right culture before we, um, before we would hire them. Uh, and as we, as we push towards hiring practices and evaluations that remove unconscious bias uh, from the decision-making process, uh, we think that's the, the path towards getting uh, the best workforce, uh, and we think that the best workforce, by definition, will be, will be diverse. 
uh, and that diverse workforce will bring about a, a diversity of uh, a diversity of thinking. So uh, that's sort of the the the, um, the cycle, if you will, or the spin wheel of how we think about uh, uh, how we think about making sure that we have a a, a diverse uh, a diverse and inclusive workplace. The, the the last thing I would point to, just pointing back to those uh, initial three values that I that I talked about, uh, obviously being real, being accountable, and being an owner. Um, to the extent that there are challenges that we face, and obviously we face challenges like anybody else does, uh, in terms of cultural issues that can can invade the workplace, we go right back to our right back to our values in terms of how we treat people, uh, and regardless of um, of color of skin or of gender. Um, um, those, I think, those three values help us help us guide how we handle uh, conversations and situations that come up in the workplace. And at the end of the day, we we want to make sure uh, we're real and accountable and, and acting like owners in in the way that we treat uh, both our people and and people who could potentially work for us. So it's no secret that women are a minority in telecom and, and tech, and research shows that having women in leadership roles actually impacts the bottom line in a positive way. And I know that Crown has numerous women in leadership roles and is successful in attracting and retaining, which is important, women in the industry. Um, And, you know, many, many companies struggle here. And I hear that all the time when I'm speaking at conferences or in conversations with people. Carrie, how can we get more women in our company and in leadership roles. So what strategies have been instrumental in creating this success for you? Yeah, I, I would partly go back to our uh, our last, uh, the, 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 the answer to the last question. And, and, and I would say, you know, we want to be more diverse uh, in terms of our, our our leadership team and and continue down the path that 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 we we've, we've been headed on, and I don't think we're all the way to where we want to be. Um, um, but uh, I have found, and and we you rightly point out, we have some extraordinary uh, women leaders inside of our inside of our company. Um, but I, I would I would I would probably reframe that to say we have extraordinary leaders in our company and some of them are women mm-hmm. and um, um, the the way that we evaluate um, people is trying to remove unconscious bias and um, our leaders uh, our leaders who are women uh, in the business are not there because they're women they're there because they're phenomenal uh, they're phenomenal leaders and I think the more we level the playing field as, as leaders of, of companies, the more we level the playing field, remove unconscious bias, and focus on uh, retaining and promoting uh, the best talent, uh, I think we, we will end up with uh, greater diversity uh, of gender in, in, our leadership, in our leadership ranks. And I think as we have uh, as, as we have pushed towards that over the last couple of years uh, in really intentional ways in the company, uh, I think we've naturally uh, tended towards gaining greater diversity, and, and uh, it's made us better. Um, um, and the, the, the removal of that unconscious bias uh, have made our male leaders better, too. Uh, so uh, I don't think it's, it's, it's solely uh, benefited um, our diversity uh, numbers. I think it's made our leaders better at decision-making, period. Uh, and I think um, I think in the business that that's really where we're focused. How do we how do we retain and attract uh, the absolute um, the absolute best talent 
uh, and uh, and we think we that happens by by focusing on removing unconscious bias uh, in the way that we make decisions, particularly around around people. Well said, Jay. <laughs> so, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, you know the uh, the differences between full time employees and contingent labor when it comes to culture. Many telecom companies have both full time and contractors. So how do you engage and retain your contingent workforce or contractors? Yeah, that's a great question. It's an area that we've really wrestled with, honestly. I don't, I don't think we have settled uh, in terms of the, the best outcome there. Um, I, I think particularly our contingent labor forces, they, um, as they would be engaged by us to do particular tasks, um, I don't think they they don't get the full benefit of the culture. I think there are certainly ancillary benefits of it uh, in terms of the way people are treated and other things, the way conversations happen in the office that they get benefit of it. Um, but because of some of the legal ramifications, we do we do we do have to keep some separateness there. So we are still working on how do we how do we get to the place where our contractors feel as uh, our contracted labor feels as much a part of the culture as they as they possibly can. Um, but there's still um, there's still a delineation uh, and a different experience, uh, but but between those two and our and our and our company and. Uh, we've got a we've got a number of leaders who are actually working on that particular uh, that particular aspect of our culture of um, how can we how can we better bring our culture to our contingent labor force and um, I think that's a challenge not just inside uh, the four walls of Crown Castle but 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 broadly in the industry and. You know, if somebody's listening to your your podcast and has some ideas for me, I'm, I'm all ears. Feel free to shoot me an email or, or call me. I'd, I'd love to hear the input. Love it, Jay. Um, what is Crown doing to prepare for this new 5G workforce? Um, what changes do you see that are coming in the future? You know, I think certainly the amount of activity that's going to be coming uh, as we get further into 2020 and 2021 and beyond uh, I think we're in for at least a decade of elevated activity, uh, and uh, and that's going to require a lot of people uh, in, to be working in, in our in our industry as 5G is deployed. Um, the labor market is tight, not just in telecom or in uh, telecom infrastructure, but the labor market is tight in all industries uh, across our country right now. So, uh, the benefit of uh, of certainly having uh, low unemployment level is great for the economy and really challenging in terms of attracting talent. So there's uh, there's a number of things that we're doing in terms of uh, recruiting ex-military folks um, and specific programs that we have in order to, to try to find um, new, new folks coming out of, of serving our country. Um, we found that to be a great pipeline of, act, of uh, potential candidates. Uh, the other place that we've, we've started to intentionally spend a lot more time at uh, is our direct university recruiting. I think historically in our industry, uh, we have looked to find people who, are more, who have more experience and have experience in the sector. Uh, and as the labor market has tightened, uh, we've taken an approach where, where we're willing to go to the, the university level, recruit people in, and then train and teach them the industry and, and jobs. And so our, uh, 
our campus recruiting has now become uh, a meaningful portion of, of how we recruit and think about uh, building our, our labor force and building a future leadership, uh, a leadership opportunity for, for folks. And so uh, those are two of the areas that, that we've worked on. Um, we're also working with a number of different industry um, folks, the different uh, industry associations. Um, obviously, the WIA has a big push around this area. Uh, and, uh, and, and one of the things that the WIA has, I think, rightly focused on is how do we recruit people from other industries and bring them into telecom because of the, because of the labor shortage. And so um, I, I, we don't have all the answers on that one by, by any means, but I, I, think, uh, I think it's going to be a real growing opportunity for us to attract more, more labor force into our industry than, than where it is today. And, you know, as I talk to our employees about this, this opportunity. Uh, I think it's really exciting to work in an industry that's growing and has this much change associated with it. Uh, and uh, I think we'll be in a period of time over the next decade where it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to our friends and family about the fact that we, we're deploying 5G and, and, and we're working in the telecom sector that's, that's uh, really changing the way the world interacts with the coming of 5G. And uh, I think that will be attractive broadly to the market. So uh, it is a challenge, but it's a challenge that I think we have a lot of factors uh, that are going to be attractive to people uh, willing to leave other sectors and other industries to come and join the industry because of how, how exciting the prospects are for growth uh, in, our, in our industry. You know, Jay, I've heard you speak at conferences, um, and, and this is a key point that we always try to drive home with our hiring managers. You've spoken about transferable skills and being a little bit more flexible, and I know this is something that uh, Crown does very, very well. Can you speak to that just a bit? Sure. I, being specific about uh, what is required for a job to, to be done well, I think is one of the reasons why earlier I was speaking about some of the case studies that we do. Um, there are all kinds of industries uh, that require strong project management skills. Uh, most of what we do, I think, over the last uh, over the last three or four years, we've 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 probably had. Over well over a hundred thousand installation projects where we've changed out antennas for customers or put up new antennas on towers that they already they, they were not previously on, or installed shelters or, um, or or other equipment at a site for a customer, and and those basic project management skills those are alive and well in in many other industries and so uh, one of the things I think that has been good about a tight labor market is it really forces our leaders to think about what skills and traits and experiences are required for someone to be good at a particular job. And uh, if you're a construction manager, a project manager, program manager, those skills, uh, they reside in other industries and while they may not know telecom, uh, they do have the skills necessary in order to be successful at at, uh, at running uh, or completing projects. Uh, and so we're looking for people who have the right skills, traits, and experiences, and then the right culture to be able to do that. And uh, they have those skills. We can, we can teach them about telecom. Um, I, it's been a long time since I've met somebody who doesn't know how to use, uh, doesn't know how to use a device to text. So if, uh, <laughs> if, if, people know how to, if people know how to do that, um, Telecom's not a mystery to people. People know how to use the technology, uh, and uh, we've, we've got to teach them some of the basics of, of, um, of, of the business maybe that they're not as familiar with. 
but the, but it's not as though we're teaching them uh, some business that no one has any context for. So really focusing on the skills, the experiences uh, that that makes a person ex- uh, successful in the role. And then do they meet the culture, and then we're happy to teach them the industry. Jay, where can our listeners go if they'd like more information about Crown Castle? Well, the best place to go would be just go directly to our website at crowncastle.com. You can learn about our, our company on the website. Uh, and then also, if you're, you're interested in making a change to your career, would love to join the company. Uh, we, we do post all of, our, all of our job openings there on our, on our website, and we have a team dedicated to going through the process of, of uh, looking at folks who submit to there, and we find a number of great people through, uh, through that, that point. So um, would certainly encourage folks um, to, to visit our website at crowncastle.com. Jay, thank you so much for being with us today on 5G Talent Talk. It's just been uh, just amazing. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thanks, Carrie. And thank you for listening to this episode of 5G Talent Talk, brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can connect with me at carriecharles.com, and I will see you on the next episode. You've been listening to 5G Talent Talk with Kerry Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions, brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect with Kerry at kerrycharles.com.